Welcome to the Post Victory Formation Podcast. Tune in every week to hear Mike and Kyle's thoughts about the news around the league. Welcome to this week's Post Victory Formation Podcast. You got Mike and Kyle. The trade deadline has finished. Before we get into that, I want to talk about a couple topics that kind of hit hard this week. We'll roll into that with some fantasy questions, and we'll finish her up. This To start this off, I want to talk about the Denver Broncos. Kyle, are the Denver Broncos dead, or have they just managed to skate by the – or, you know, to beat the Packers because the Packers are – we don't know what the Packers are Packers yet. Packers are dead. They – they're dead. The, the Broncos blew the Packers out. We don't know what's going on there. They, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit because it's been a big part of the trade deadline. But the Broncos did beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I know Pat Mahomes was a little under the weather, but was that a huge statement game, Kyle, for you? I think so. You can say what you want about Russell Wilson, but he has been playing better this year. So it just took some time and it's still going to take time for him and Sean Payton to figure things out. If Sean Payton wants Russ to be the guy, but you look at Denver's behavior during this trade deadline and they didn't, they didn't ship anybody off. Sean Payton was stated as much uh on Sunday say yeah we're we're not shipping anybody out of here we're we're keeping the band together of the other teams in the AFC West honestly i feel like the broncos have the best opportunity to get second place i think we all can agree that the chiefs are going to run away with this division but you look at the raiders the raiders are just they are one of the five worst teams in football and i think watching their performance last night against the Lions lose by 12, despite the fact the Lions had three, three turnovers and the Lions had almost three times as many yards from scrimmage as the Raiders did. The Chargers, Brandon Staley, he's just been making bonehead decisions left and right. Now they did get to three and four after beating the bears here on Sunday night football. But I look at the Broncos And Sean Payton, he's been there, done that. He doesn't do the S9 decisions like you see the other coaches in the division do, not named Andy Reid. So, yeah, I I still think there's time and there's hope for the Broncos to uh, pull this thing back together. So, if the Broncos can pull it back together, Kyle, the Broncos beat the Packers. Why do you just say the Packers are so dead? Well, look at what they got blown out on Sunday against the Vikings. Then they shipped off Rasul Douglas to the Buffalo Bills today during the deadline. And I think just that behavior kind of tells you that the Packers are finally, they're looking in the mirror. They realize, hey, we're no good. And let's ship off some assets, which they did with Rasul Douglas, because Rasul, he was going to be very expensive to re-sign. And that's just, it's a rebuilding team, Mike. I told you now, did I think that early on they started off hot and they looked like, Hey, you know what? Maybe they'll be able to rebuild this thing on the fly and, you know, still have 
some level of success, but seeing Jordan Love's level of play, they've been banged up. Teams are starting to realize that Jordan Love is still pretty raw and they're stacking the box because they know they've got the two-headed monster of uh, Jones and Dylan in the backfield. Like, hey, we'll stack the box. We'll keep them from running and we're going to make Jordan Love beat us. And Jordan Love has not shown an ability to do that. So do you think Jordan loves the problem or do you think Matt LaFleur and the management like Brian Goody and, you know, everybody else, Mark Murphy? I don't think it's anybody's fault. It's you just, you know, the Packers are one of these teams that have had such a long period of success that you're not going to outrun that speeding train forever. And it's just come to the point where it's, it's time to rebuild. And the way the NFL is set up, you can rebuild relatively quickly. And I think the Packers have got a nice head start on the rebuild. We know LaFleur hasn't forgotten how to call plays. It's just, you know, he's working with what he's got. And he's got a young team. They're going to make mistakes. And if I'm a Packers fan, I mean, you got to you gotta just look ahead. And be like, you know what? Times are tough right now, but we've got a young, a young team, a lot of players on rookie contracts, and they'll improve. But yeah, for all intents and purposes, this year they're they're dead. They're likely going to be third in well, I can't say that, that now with Kirk Cousins dying, getting his ACL torn on Sunday, not literally dying. But I mean, between the Vikings, Bears, and Packers, I mean that's it's not a great uh, slate of teams right there. So the Packers, I mean, sure they can get second in the division, but it's still, it's not going to amount to anything. You're not making the wild card with that. So to talk about, like, I know the Packers shipped off for Sewell Douglas. I want to hit on the trade because we had the trade deadline. We had some big names go and, it kind of came interesting to me that some people, I don't know. I don't know if people are trying to get higher draft picks or what, but some teams really shipped off some people. And for instance, the Washington football team or the Washington commanders, I'm sorry, got rid of chase young and Montez sweat. Yes. Why would you get rid of two of the top 10 edge rushers and you had two of the top 10 on your team. Well, this goes back to, this is a new regime. This regime is inheriting a team from Dan Snyder and they probably, they just, they want to put their own identity on the team. So we know chase young with his injury history there's still a lot of question marks around him uh, shipping off Montez sweat. I think Montez sweat going to the bears. I think what surprised me, Mike is I know I just said, you want to set your identity for the team, maybe bring in your own guys. But I thought to myself that when they shipped off Montez sweat, that chase young would not go anywhere. I thought they'd ship one or the other off, but not both but they did ship off both. So 
you look at that division, you're not beating the Eagles. You're not beating the Cowboys. It's they, the regime said, you know what? We can see what we're up against. We want to bring our guys in. Let's get as much value as we can. And they'll just ship these guys off. So, because Washington's not going to pay these guys. I mean, Sweat's deal was up at the end of the year, I believe. And I think they both were. Sweat had one more one more year, I believe. Okay. And Chase Young's was up at the end of the year. So you you couldn't you could definitely not uh re-sign both of them. You were gonna have to cut one, but again, the regime, we don't know what their philosophy is yet since they just took over this team from Dan Snyder. I don't think Ron Rivera is gonna be there next year. I think it's gonna be a completely different looking Washington football team and you're starting to see that with some of these moves that they just made. You don't think Ron Rivera is going to be there next year? No. Again, Mike, did they hire Ron Rivera? No, no. They inherited Ron Rivera. So the commanders though, they almost beat the Eagles last week. They, they, well, almost doesn't count for wins and losses in the NFL, Mike. No, I know, but fuck. They, do you think Ron Rivera has just two great edge rushers on the bench, or do you think it's fire sale for the commanders because he knows he's out? Like, what the fuck do you think is going on? Ron Rivera is not the one. I guarantee you Ron Rivera didn't want either of these guys to leave. It's not coming from Ron Rivera. The head coach doesn't make the decisions. It's the it's upper management. And Ron Rivera's just got to grin and bear it at this point. So because think- otherwise, you end up like Steve Wilkes in Carolina where you're like, hey, we're not tanking and management goes, LOL. That's funny. You just lost your head coaching chances after being the interim. Yeah. I so mean... you can't, you can't speak out on that kind of thing. Otherwise you're going to be dining on a professional bullet. Do you think Ryan Rivera is just done coaching is just not the guy anymore or what? Or has he just not had the you know good enough teams around him and enough time to build? Well, Ron Rivera, during the Daniel Snyder later years, he he did bring stability to that program, but again, that program has had no success. They the their last playoff appearance where they got bounced by Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was it was a feel good story, but it was not a sustainable story. And I just don't think I don't think Rivera is in the long term plans of the organization. So good, bad, or indifferent, whether I like him or not, I just yeah, I don't think he's gonna be around next year. Well, now just kind of rolling into some team stuff. Um, if you know Rivera's not around next year, do you think there's gonna be any big major coaching changes? Like, do you think Matt LaFleur is gonna be looking for a new job? I know Ron no. Rivera maybe. Yeah, I mean do you think there's a do you think Bill Belichick's still out? I know we've hit on him. I you know the Patriots lost to the Dolphins, they kind of got blown out, but do you think there's gonna be a big coaching change coming in next year? Because plus, you know, you just said it too. There's been a lot of new NFL owners rolling in. Is something we're gonna see, you know, just a bunch of coaching changes? Yeah, Josh McDaniels is dead. 
I'm I'm willing to bet the farm on that one. I'll be surprised if he makes it to the end of the season. I think Brandon Staley will be fired at the end of the year if the Chargers miss out on the playoffs again. I mean, you got Dable. Do you think? Do you think he's out, Brian, from the Giants? Um, I don't this... think so. I don't think so because they overachieved last year with that roster, and that roster out that roster construction is coming back to bite them this year. So, I mean, when you don't have an offensive line, it's really hard to do anything. You could have you could have Andy Reid coaching the Giants right now, and he he wouldn't be faring much better. So. No, I think Dable's fine. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't have a good read on it this early because there's still a lot of football to be played. But I do, I do want to get go back to Washington shipping off players and Mike Chase Young to the 49ers is just, it's disgusting. Oh, disgusting. Him and, and Bose on that D line. Mike, I got an answer for you. I got it's a a good thing for the rest of the NFC that Brock Purdy has come back down to earth after his start and it has turned into Josh Allen Jr. and is being a turnover machine because otherwise the 49ers would be odds on. They'd be probably. uh, You'd be losing money if you bet on them to win the Super Bowl (laughs) after this acquisition. Kyle Shanahan saw that the Eagles are coming up. They're five and two. The Lions are hate to fucking say and, this. Are a good team. Two. They're six and two. They're rolling into a bye. Eagles the are also Eagles are seven six, one. Yeah. So I mean the 49ers don't really need too many pieces of the puzzle, other than they had Bose on the one side. Why not add Chase Young to the other. Yep. And if that can pan out for Brock Purdy's flaws to really beef up the defense, I think that's the way to go. But at the end of the day, Eagles seven and one, Lions six and two, Dolphins six and two, Chiefs six and two, Ravens six and two, Jaguars six and two. In the AFC South, Jaguars, long shot, don't even fucking worry about it. Jaguars got it. Texans, Titans, Colts, Jaguars, done. Ravens, AFC North, done. AFC West. Kansas. I wouldn't say that. What do you think? The Steelers are going to come up and do something? Okay, okay. let me rephrase this. Bengals, Bengals. may float up. Okay. If the Bengals fight it out. But you have the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Bills are right there. Jets aren't going to do anything. You have the Eagles fighting off the Cowboys in the NFC East. Seahawks and 49ers are going at it. And then you have the Lions and Packers. You know what? Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. But, and then the NFC South is dead. Um, Do you think teams have gotten their true identity? Okay, do you think the playoff pitcher is starting to make an identity yet? Or do you think there's just too much left? No, I think there's some clear... I think there's some clear winners in their divisions already. Like you said, the Jags have taken command of the AFC South. I think the Lions with this 
Kirk Cousins injury, they're pretty much in the driver's seat now for the uh, NFC North. So, yeah, you're starting to see some of these clear. You can start to, you know, marking off your your boxes for who's going to be in the in the uh, playoffs. But what I find interesting looking at the playoff picture and looking at the teams that made moves during the trade deadline today, like four of the top five teams in the NFC all made moves being Philadelphia, the 49ers, Seattle, and the Lions all made moves. Because those guys know, I mean, and the AFC kind of stood relatively pat, which surprised me. But those teams making moves in the NFC, they know, like, hey, this thing's wide open. And there's really, you know, there's us, and then there's a bunch of bottom feeders. So... The top-heavy NFC, those guys position themselves to try to get a little better today. And I think I think you can. there's a direct correlation between the guys that made moves and the teams that you're going to see in the playoffs because those guys are all in for what they're, what they're considering Super Bowl runs. So you're saying... Do I, do I agree with all of them? No, I don't. Okay, but I'll, I'll say, they've made moves regardless. Are you saying Josh Dobbs of the Vikings really moved the needle for you, Kyle? Uh, you know, that is not, I said top of the NFC, not mid-pack NFC, but no, that, that was not a move that moved the needle for me. I What I am excited about, though, for that move is that tells me that we're going to get to see Kyler Murray back on the field here pretty quick. You think so? Yeah, I think they're going to roll him out. I think they'll roll uh, their the guy they drafted this season, uh, Toon. He's playing this coming week, I believe. But then after that, I think you're going to see Kyler out there. Because I believe this is the last week. I believe we're getting close to that 21-day period where you can activate him to your 53-man roster after coming off of IR. Do you think Tank for Caleb Williams has started? Not in Arizona, no. And it can't start in the Panthers either because, oh, congratulations to Bryce Young finally getting his first win. It was pretty rough to watch, but he got it. Well, you know, the Texans is like, hey, we know what it's like to have long winless drought, so let us throw you a bone. It's it's mighty nice of them, Kyle. Yes, it it is. I've watched the Lions do it on numerous occasions throughout the years, so. Carolina, yep, getting their first win thanks to the Texans. But uh, they're like you said, they're not tanking for Caleb Williams. You look at some of the other teams around the league that are really, you know, floundering right now. I can see a team like I can see a team like Denver, not Denver, excuse me. But the Raiders moving on from Jimmy G, they might they might start a they might just they might not even tank. They might be bad just bad enough on their own accord to end up with Caleb Williams. But you got a lot of teams hovering three wins and under right now, and I think all of those guys are still in play. There's not one team out there that I look as just, you know, there's not no chance they don't win another game. 
other than maybe the Raiders, honestly, they are that they are that broken. Jimmy G is a statue back there and just not good. Arizona, they're scrappy and they're getting Kyler back, so they're out. Carolina, we just touched on. Chicago, is, is Chicago, are they going to move on from Justin Fields after year two? Maybe. I maybe could see Chicago being a landing spot for Caleb Williams. Uh, the Giants, they have Daniel Jones re-signed and the Packers with Jordan Love. So that's kind of the, your bottom teams in the NFC. Switch it over to the AFC, look at the bottom teams, and it's like, man, you got New England and Mac Jones. That could be a landing spot. But other than that, it's a ton of three-win teams and guys still fighting for playoff chances. So I don't I don't see tanks for Caleb Williams on yet. But give it a couple more weeks, and I think we'll start to see a clearer picture for the tank for Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I'd say the playoff picture is a lot more clear than the Caleb Williams uh, picture right now. Yeah, and you brought up a good point with like the teams under three wins. I mean, honestly, I hate to say this. I could see the Packers doing it. I could see the Bears. I don't see the Raiders doing it because they just signed Jimmy G to that huge contract. Jimmy G is dead, though. But they signed him. Do you think they just eat the money? The Raiders have shown the willingness to do that in the past. So, yes. Well, you said it. Tank for Williams has not started yet, but we could see something coming in the next few weeks. Kyle, off of that shitty performance you brought up by the Raiders, Lions, despite fumbling and throwing a pick six, they came out six and two. Are the Lions the juggernaut of the NFL right now? Are the Eagles right there? You know, are you putting the Lions at the number two spot now? I wouldn't say they're a juggernaut of the NFL. Of the NFC, there's a there's a real shot for them. To, I know you're going to hate this, but there's a real shot for them to get the number one seed overall in the NFC. Their remaining schedule, Mike, is awful. Like it is, it is simply awful. They're they've got the of the all the playoff teams currently in the NFC. They have played the toughest strength of schedule. But moving into the second half of their season, off the bye week, Mike. Let's just touch on the schedule real quick and tell me if any of these opponents strike fear into your hearts. So we got the Chargers. After the bye, they play the Chargers. That could be a tough game. Chargers could be at 500. But after that, you got the Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears again, Broncos, Vikings twice, and at Dallas. The Chargers and the Cowboys. Yeah, That's the only people I see. Yeah, Chargers and Dallas. That's that's it. So, say the Lions win out. That's thirteen. It, let's say they drop those two games, but they win out. That's thirteen and four. Thirteen and four is probably going to get it done for the number one seed. Oh yeah, they're that. I mean, I'm putting the Lions in the playoffs already. Yeah, and just with the way the NFC North has been decimated, I I think that's a pretty safe bet, and I'm. It'll be nice as Lions fan. You know, obviously we've been waiting a long time to have a team that we can really root for and believe in. And this is definitely that team. I think you look at uh, how the Monday night crew, Joe Buck and Troy, they talked, they talked about the Lions and 
you know, how they've been building this team right. And it's, it's nice to, you know, get those compliments rather than being the laughing stock of the league like we were for so many years. At worst, they're the number two seed. Yeah. What? Um. Yeah, because 49ers and Eagles, one of them is going to have another loss because they play each other, whereas uh, the Lions, they're, like I said, they're, the back half of their schedule is pretty, uh, pretty mild, where the Saints, or I'm sorry, the 49ers and the Eagles, they have the majority of their schedule is against teams with winning re- records, so they're really going to have some tough sledding. But if anybody's... If anybody's going to come from the abyss, I can see with the 49ers adding Chase Young and just furthering that dominant defensive front, pending that Brock Purdy dials back the turnovers, I could see them making a push and ending up retaking that number one seed from the Eagles and or potentially the Lions. So moving on from that, we will head into our picks from last week. and. Once again, it was a, so off of that, NFC number one seed talks, we will transition into the picks. Unless Mike has anything else pressing that he needs to talk about. Run it, brother. All right. So last week, a relatively uninspiring performance. I did go back above 500. I was three and two last week. Mike. How did you fare last week? I was, well, I was four and one actually, because I took the Bengals. Oh, very nice. So yes, the Packers blew my stuff up. No, no. I think you took San Fran last week, Mike. Oh, that's right. I was three and two. You are correct. Yes. Packers and yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yep. So thankfully I picked Tampa Bay to cover last weekend, which bailed me out, which they covered the eight and a half point spread by losing by six. So we will move on to this week's NFL action week nine already. It's crazy to think we're at the halfway point of the season. We start off. We've got a couple of good ones. Sunday morning, wake up, pour yourself a cup of coffee. NFL Frankfurt, we've got the Dolphins taking on the Chiefs. Kansas City favored by two and a half. This is on the NFL Network. This is a hard one, Kyle. It is. Um, You kind of got to flip a quarter for it. But I'm going to say Dolphins. They got too many weapons. That's the one thing Kansas City Chiefs lack is you got Travis Kelsey. Um, they've got a bunch of CB receivers, but you don't have anything like Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill. You, you don't have that, or Raheem in the backfield. The Chiefs. I know you have Isaiah Pacheco, but he's not all that great. Shakes. So I'm taking. If Tua has a good game, Dolphins got it all the way. But I'm going to take the Dolphins by three. Mike, I couldn't have said it any better myself. I, I'm taking Miami for essentially the same exact reasons you just stated. Well, so, that's why we have this podcast, Kyle. That's right. We're a well-oiled machine. That's what I'm saying. Uh, game number two, one o'clock time slot. We've got the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore favored by five and a half. 
Mike, does Lamar keep this thing rolling, or does Gino and the in the boys roll in and grab a, a road dub on at a tough place to win? Kyle, this is an upset alert. Seahawks are going to take it because they haven't been they haven't been shown what they got. But man, getting Tyler Lockett involved with everything, you know, they started to kind of see that you know he hey he's here still. I think if Geno can spread the ball around, have Kenneth Walker do his thing, I'm a firm believer that the Seahawks can beat the Ravens. Ravens, you guys have, you know, your first round pick wide receiver. He's been great so far. You got OBJ. Not great so far. I don't see anything crazy. And then um, the backfield's been banged up. Yeah, Gus Edwards taking lead roll back, lead back role now. Exactly. I who is their rookie wide receiver they got? Zay Kyle? Flowers. Zay Flowers, thank you. Yeah, it's just hit it's his party. Mark Andrews hasn't even been getting involved this much this year. Yeah, um, you're right about that. that's been weird to see. If Lamar doesn't do wild Lamar things, which a person can only do that for so long until they have a hiccup. I think Seattle takes takes it here. Uh, Bobby Wagner really going to put on the pressure. Uh, Jamal Adams should you know be good to go. Seahawks have it. I'm taking the Ravens. I Baltimore's a tough place to win, and you got Seattle traveling traveling across the country. I just I don't know Lamar. He the way he went out and decimated the Lions and then followed it up with a fair performance against Carolina, only only going for 157 yards and one touchdown. It wasn't a pretty performance, but you know, they he did just enough to win. I think they bounce back against Seattle and they get the dub. I think Seattle will cover, but give me the Ravens to win the game. America's game of the week featuring America's team, Mike. Cowboys roll into Philly to take on the Eagles. Eagles favored by three. Bro. Fuck. I don't want to say this. You're taking America's team, aren't you? Kyle. I'm just going to let you put the words in my mouth. I fucking hate the Cowboys. But you're taking the Cowboys? Yeah. I'm taking oh, I'm taking America's team, dude. If Dak Prescott, it literally comes down to him. If he can give me a mediocre performance and everybody else does what they do week in and week out, they're taking down the Eagles. That's just what it is. Unless they can't stop DeAndre Swift and they can get a good run pass mix in with Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. Literally, I, I know people be like, oh, well, that you know, there's a lot of hope there. If they can't get anything going on the run, they can keep AJ Brown and Devonta Smith back. They're gonna really cover AJ Brown hard. I I can see the Cowboys coming out with the dub if Dak Prescott plays mediocre. 
Dak's going to have to play more than mediocre. I think the key for Dallas here is they've got to get Tony Pollard going early and they've got to have, they just have to have long sustained drives, keeping that Philadelphia offense off the field. Because yeah, if you let Jalen hurts, AJ green, Deandre Swift, if you let those AJ guys, Brown. To, AJ Brown, I'm sorry. I always do that. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if Dallas lets those guys run hog wild right away. I don't think Dallas is equipped to get into a shootout with anybody. You say what you want about that offense and how they're hyped up, but Dallas is not a team that wants to put a lot of points on the board. I think they'd rather slow things down. That being said, as much as I would like the Eagles to go down for the NFC race's sake, I'm going to be taking the Eagles at this one. I... I'm still taking the Cowboys, but I do want to, you know, comment on what you said. CD Lamb is a lonely wide receiver out there. He is, yes. And you look at the rest of that team, and I'm, yeah, you've got Pollard, Michael Gallup. Gallup's been Gallup's been quiet this year. And then Brandon you got Co- the, Brandon Cooks Brandon has Cooks, also been, is. you know, he got going a little bit last week, but yeah, overall it's, it, it's not a very, it's not a loaded roster. Like we're used to seeing and we're used to seeing the Cowboys had have. moving from this game to the last game, Kyle, I don't even need to, you don't even need to say it. Cause I already know what your last game is going to be. Yes. And it's going to be a good one. It is going to be the best. Sunday night game we've had so far. This is mm, Bills versus Bengals. I don't know about that. I'm taking it, dude. Bills versus Bengals, all the hype. It's back in Cincinnati. The last time they played in Cincinnati. Yeah, we had the NFL the, changed. Yep, we had the DeMar Hamlin incident. It's all coming back to that game. This is going to be the, as I said, the first one back for the Bills. I think this, and that was also a Sunday night game. Oh, that was a Monday night game. Or Monday night. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is going to be a huge game. Huge game. Bengals are taking it by a touchdown. And that's it. The the Bills, Josh Allen's been doing decent. They cannot get the running game going. Oh my God, the Bills' running game is terrible. Yeah, it's it's pretty inept. And Cook is not the answer, dude. James Cook is not doing it. No. Now pair that Steph Diggs has not had the explosive year game after game like we've like we've seen in the past. He has taken a step back. That whole offense has just taken a step back. And I think the I think Buffalo's missed their window for a Super Bowl, honestly. But we can save that for another day. But give me Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati, they realize, hey, we got to keep pace with Baltimore if we want a shot at the AFC North. So Cincinnati's the hungrier team. Give me the Bengals covering that two and a half. Oh, yeah. Bengals covering two and a half. Bengals are taking it. That's it. You got any other games, Kyle? You want to throw in a curveball? Um, 
Hit me with one curveball, and then we'll close this thing out. All right. How about we watch the? We'll talk about the highly entertaining Giants Raiders game. Oh shit! Versus stink. Yeah, bad versus bad. The Raiders are favored by two and a half. Over under for this game is thirty seven and a half. Oh, rough. I'm taking the Raiders though. Vegas is right on that. You have way too many weapons to be this fucking bad. Devonta Adams guaranteed went in that locker room and just started screaming at everybody. Or he didn't say anything, and everybody just looked at him like, oh, this dude's going to kill us all. You have Josh Jacobs, Devonta Adams, Hunter Renfro, Jimmy Hunter G. Hunter Renfro like, died, apparently. He because did. He, he's been a no-show this but, year. Dude. Jimmy G looks like there's the ghost of the Raiders pass following him around. That's because Jimmy G is not good. Mike, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a curveball here. I'm not going to pick the game because I really don't care, but I am going to take the under in the over under 37 and a half. You're taking the under. I'm going to take the under. I'm taking the over. Oh my, no, this game's going to set football back 20 years. No, I'm taking the over. I think. So what's the final score? Because you the final if, score. Mike, if it's 20, if it's 20 to 17, the under hits, you realize that Raiders have failed to score. They have only scored over 20 points once and they scored 21 points and the Giants. <laughs> The Giants don't even know what the end zone looks like anymore. It's going to be 24-17. Raiders take it. Yeah, I don't I don't believe it, but we'll see. All right, and on that bombshell, we will end this week's episode of the Post Victory Formation podcast. So, make sure you guys give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever. We'll talk to you again next week.